This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Rivals. People competing with another for the same objective or superiority in the same field of activity. Fantastic rivalry. It was intense. A lot of passion showed in it. I think the game that both teams look forward to every season. When you're the number one side in the world, everyone's going to play their best game against you. It's one thing being the hunter, but when you're the hunted, you're there to be shot at. Both chasing the same goals and dreams. I remember feeling really sorry for him. I knew I was going to beat him. I think there was needle between the teams, but just through wanting to beat each other so badly. You know, there was a mutual respect. Each fighting against the other. I thought, wow, that looks like a broken man. I thought, wow, is it really that serious? When you're suffering and someone's better than you on the day and you're doing everything you possibly can to hold on to, to them and not let that gap get any bigger than a metre and you're praying for the end to come or you're praying for the next corner so you can rest a little bit. They're the hardest days. In this series, we bring together famous sporting rivals to hear a shared story from both sides. The triumph... The tragedies, the victories, the near misses, the laughter, and the sorrow. This is Reunited on TalkSport. This is Reunited on TalkSport. And in this series, we're bringing back together sporting rivals from the past. Previously, we heard from Paul Gascoigne and Vinnie Jones about the iconic photograph that became one of the most famous in sport. But that photo sparked a friendship that went beyond football and endures to this day. Over the next hour, you'll hear both Vinny and Gaza talk candidly about their battles with booze, life after football, the highs and lows of their careers, and their future plans. This is Reunited with Vinny Jones and Paul Gascoigne in conversation. Vinny Jones is a few years older than Paul Gascoigne, and ever since their playing days, he's always adopted a big brother role. None more so than when it comes to their much publicised issues with alcohol. I spoke to him on the phone last Friday. Mm. Talking. But, you know, it came for me after that, like twins thing, you know. I would get a sense when he wasn't well, kind of thing. You don't know this. Mm. But I'd get, a, I'd, get a, I'd get a feeling. I'd say to my missus, I'm not sure, you know, 
better check on Gaz and look it up. And a few times, you know, it, it, he wouldn't be well or something, you know, be battling against the disease or whatever, you know. Mm. And it would it, it affects me, you know. And whether that's like a... Because of what happened, how close it was, I do carry this twin brother thing around with me, for sure. Mm. You know, I really do. Listen, I'm five and a half years sober, so I can understand it a lot more. I can understand the demons of what it is, everything else. Um, and so when when people are cheap with it and dismiss it, like, oh, he's doing this, I'm very defensive, obviously. You know, A, because of the disease they don't understand, and B, because it's him, mm. you know? And and it's it, it's not, why don't he just give it up, or why don't it... That is not what it is, you know? And, and other people need educating as well before... He can, you know, he's into his golf, fly fishing. Exactly the same as me. We've got the same interests like that. It takes you away from all that. And sometimes, for me, what will happen is your friends change. People you think are your best friends, they're not. They're your best drinking friends. They're your best drinking associates. You come out and then, you know, these people move on. And you, <coughs> what I've done in five and a half years, which, you know, please God will happen to you when you get, keep getting that... Time bigger and bigger, mm. friends will become less. Um, different things will become more important, mm. you know. And and like me, we're very much the same. Whereas life and soul of the party, always having to tell the jokes, get everything going, all that. What I've learned is, let someone else do it. Let someone else tell the jokes. Mm. Let someone else be the joker. And it's quite hard because you, you're born. It's born and bred with you, but. Being sober, for me, is has helped me take a back foot, you know? Mm. I love me golf. I go out early and I play golf. Sometimes I play 36, seven days a week, you know? Or I take the fly rod out or I take the rifle out or whatever, you know? And, and I definitely felt that I needed... I was crappy at golf. I was crappy, you know, uh, I'm a six handicap now. I was crappy when I was drinking. Six handicap, no way. Yeah. Hey. yeah. I took it serious and I got into it. Wow. And I was never into the golf. When I was playing, I was never yeah, into I the golf. Yeah, I was never played. I always wanted to be mucking about, you know, me and Wisey would be causing havoc somewhere, you know. Not into the golf at all. It gave me a, it gave me a different perspective, you know, instead of that urge. And I remember one day I'm coming home from training and I finally go, I, I can't go to the pub today, I can't go to the pub today. And I come up to the roundabout and it was left to the pub and right to the house. And I was fighting with the steering wheel and the pub won. You know, <laughs> and you do because it's and it's a social thing. I think, I think where we're similar is we could have both been in the army. You know, we could have both been in a regiment. We could, we need blokes around it. We're that kind of you know, blokes. I think we we like blokes around. We love blokes company. We love the crack, um, and I think sometimes that that can enhance the the social drinking side of it in this country, especially. You know, going to the pub. Mm. I mean, I used to love going to the pub, playing cards all afternoon and, you know, and, and our pub used to be carpet fitters, cab drivers and that, so they'd be in there at two o'clock. <laughs> and for me, that was fantastic. Play cards and boom, you know. And is that what you So, it, you know, it is, a, it is a case of... You do, like, you think this is a late and it really isn't really, to be fair, you know, we forget about ourselves. There's such more, and people, you know, and people say to me, or did at the beginning, your life will get better, your life will get better. And you go, yeah, yeah, all right. And I, I swear to God, my life has gone from being pretty good this to, you know, I, mm. I run a $30 million film fund now. 
a guy has trusted me with $30 million of his money to run his film funding oh. uh, money. These have all come without the booze. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. And you throw yourself into something else. And I just feel the further you get from it, from day one, mm. whether it's day five or day 55, mm. or year five and a half years, the longest you get from it, all that happens is you start, you start despising it. And you Easy think, well, why didn't I do that when I was 40? Or why don't, mm. you know, because your life does get better, for sure. Um, I was the same. People used to say to me, oh, do you know where such and such lives? And I used to say, is there a pub near there? Name the pub. And I named the pub, yeah. Well, if you go along there, it's right. You'll probably just live during there. I've been sort of through what Gaza's going through, or been, you know, and uh, so he can understand that I've been there. It's mm. not like I'm saying, don't suck eggs. I'm going, I've been there, and this is how I dealt with it. Now, it ain't mm. the same for everybody. We don't all deal with it the same. I find the harder I, the harder I work, the less trouble I get in kind of thing, you know? Mm. You know, Idlands, you know, create, and I sort of keep that going. So I, I try and keep busy, and whether it's, whether it's up past six, teeing off in the morning, I'm out there with the golf boys. I'm out there. They're all drinking, I'm, and I'm very comfortable with it. You know, I'll have me tea. But no problem, I'm comfortable in that environment. I feel I can give advice mm. and say, look, this is how I did it. It doesn't mean that that's the, that's the secret for him because it's, it, this is the biggest challenge of his life. You know, every, every day is a monumental day. Um, and say that six months is hard. I, I found, for me, I found, like, the first three weekends was murder because you have, you have to kind of get out mm. of a routine and your mates want you out and you try and get out of it. First three weekends was really hard. Then the first three months, then the first six months, and then you then you sort of start feeling good about yourself. And I think once you get the pride back in yourself, you you're on you're on the downhill slope, then you can you you, you start going a bit quicker, you know? Mm. I mean to have this illness of what he's talking about is like when he first said it and see how proud he is. It's like, I'm five and a half years. And I'm like, I'm, it's like, for me, it's like, wow, it's incredible. It really is, you know. But I speak to people and they say to me, I'm 27 years, I'm 35 years. You know, this guy said to me, which, you know, sort of, sort of changed my life, really. He said to me, Vinny, because I, I, I'm like him, I have a joke about it. They said, why would you give up drinking? I said, well, my lawyer retired, you know. And that's the best advice he ever gave me. He said, I'm retiring, you better give up the booze. But... A guy said to me, he said, he's 37 years sober, and he said to me, something you haven't grasped, Vinny. I said, what's that? And he said, drinking is a young man's sport. And really it mm. is. You know, like football, as a young man, we know, we know when we get to 35, we're going to have to look into management or something like that. Mm. You know, and the drinking and that, for me, you've got to grow up. You've got to take responsibilities. You've got to get a business or something, you know? And... Them words to me were quite strong. He said, mm. it's a young man's sport. And when you look at it, it ain't too hard to figure out. We had a brilliant time on it when we were young. Yeah, though. exactly, you know. You know, and now for, that, that got it for me. I enjoyed that. I, you know, that was good advice for me. Yeah, I mean, when I first went, I think it was treatment 28, and I'd done it about five years, and I was, he's right, and, was, and then you, you think you've got it, and obviously it's, it was sometimes you can only take the littlest, littlest thing, you know. Little thing, or the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, a big charity, you know, a big... A big problem mm. in your life, you know, he's had with his dad and everything. I mean, that's hard enough, sober or not sober, to deal with someone like that. I mean, you know how passionate he is about his mm. family. 
know. I just we, feel like sometimes, like, your, your ego has to get smashed, you know, now and again. Because myself, like, you know. And then sometimes when I was doing well, the pressure and good things, where you start reading what you're reading, you know. Well, you know the thing, I mean, with that, I've got... Guy Ritchie was, um, gave me an advice about that, about the ego. He, he, he said, if you, we've all got an ego, so we've all got a dog, right? Mm. And you got your dog. And he, and he said, unfortunately, Vin, yours is one of the biggest bloody dogs I've ever seen on somebody. You know, he's talking about the ego, you know, with getting into trouble and stuff. So he said, you have to keep your ego in the kennel, the dog. You have to keep that dog in the kennel. <laughs> That's good. You know? So when I'm drinking and playing up, he's taking over me. He's like, go on, you can do this, you can do that. That geezer's looking at you. You're not going to stand for that, are you? But when I'm not, like now, for five and a half years, he's been in the kennel. He ha- I haven't mm. let him out. Yeah. And every time he pokes his nose out, I kick it. <laughs> I kick him back in the kennel. Do you yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. And that's all that is part that is part of not wanting to be the joker in the group. Not, mm. you know, let someone else do it. You know, that's that comes with all that. But the keeping the dog in the kennel for me is my one priority when I wake up in the morning. Mm. I make sure he is in the back of that kennel. And any time through the week, there might be something that happens. If he's got his nose out, I smash it back in there. <laughs> Kick him as hard as I can, straight back in the back of the kennel. Yeah, and we have a great day because I've he don't want to come out for two or three days. He knows I'm in charge, you yeah. know? And that's, how, that, that's how I deal with it. Your ego mm. is, is your dog, and, and he's got a massive mm. dog. His dog's massive, mm. you know? And it needs a lot more control. His dog needs a lot more control than probably than mine, you know? Throughout their careers, both Vinnie Jones and Paul Gascoigne made their headlines on the back pages. However, their actions, often under the influence of alcohol, also caused front-page splashes, something that is a cause of regret for Gaza. Sometimes letting the press get to us, which, you know, the way I looked at them, they never really played football, and I sometimes believe what they read. Um, but that's the main thing, letting them get to us, really. And what happens is I go the other way, and then it's not it's not just the drink, but it's the consequences I have to face afterwards, you know, because when I'm, when I'm actually in it, I forget, like, I'm, who I'm hurting I'm back home, you know. Family you know, you know how I dealt with that was <sighs> you can't just read the good stuff, mm. right? There's going to be bad stuff. So you're better off not reading any of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't look at it to read, mm. to feed the dog. You've either... You've got to take the both of it. And the easiest way is not to read any of it. Mm. Not to read any of it, you know? See, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Like, I, like I, if I know there's going to be something bad in the beer match, I think, right, I'm not getting the papers, full stop. But then all of a sudden the phone goes, says, hey, you seen what's in the beer match? Yeah. Panic. Yeah. Oh, what's in it? What's in it? And it's normally your family. What's happened now? Yeah, oh, what's happened now? Leave me out. Oh, God. Because you, your family never wise up to it. It's all, sometimes it's still new to them. Like my mum will phone up and even now and say, this has happened. I'll say, oh, has it? When you're that famous, it's, it's very hard. And we weren't, we've had no lessons in being famous. No. And I think that's where we've both struggled. You don't have famous lessons. You go with it. And you, your family doesn't have famous lessons. You know, his family ain't had fam- famous lessons, nor have I, you know, and mm. when things go wrong and 
you know, they're knocking on your nan's door who's 93 years old asking for quotes and all that. It, it's, you know, mm. it, it's hard and it's effective. But, um, and you want to take them with you. You want to take your, your mates and your family on the journey with you. You know, and it's it it can it can be a strange situation mm. because when they say you know he's always lighting about, I was always lighting about or doing this that and the other. No one gave us any lessons. Mm. You know, they're quite quick to give you lessons about drinking too much. You can go to AA. There ain't no famous place you can go for saying. It's right. Well, it's about none. I mean, imagine like I was a tightum and that. What happened is, and then. Now we sometimes you get abused to, but I used to best, but you never get used to it. Sometimes when they're writing crap about you, and my mum ringing up and I said, Paul, what have I do? So what's the matter? The six cars outside the house. Mm. I told him about just stay indoors, say, don't you hear yet? Don't go out that press, you know. But they believe it as well, you see. Your family mm. end up going, mm. you know, what is you do this? And you're going, what? You know, mm. um, and it's it that side of it's very hard. A lot of pressures, you know, and that's why, you know, I think I think that that leads to when you actually stop and there ain't no, I call it regiment to go to, there ain't no dressing room. It's, it's, it's like, a, you know, it's an aftershock. Mm. It's like you've had an, a big crash, an accident, you've been in the coma, now you've come out of your coma and you're looking around, now you've got to make a different life for yourself. Mm. Yeah, what he's saying is spot on, you know. Sometimes you now you think you're better than what you actually are, what you're thinking now. You're listening to Reunited on Talk Sport with Vinnie Jones and Paul Gascoigne. Still to come. Everything's top of the world and everything else, but your family's 250 mile down the road, your mates and everything else. I remember sitting on the edge of the bed and I'm like, was one of the most loneliest times of my life. Mm. And I had everything and nothing. I did get off a, a, a job with Sky and the money was good, but I tried putting dishes up in the winter. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Reunited on TalkSport. And in this episode, Vinnie Jones and Paul Gascoigne the subjects of one of the most famous sporting photographs of all time, taken some three decades ago, are in conversation. In part one, they discuss their well-publicised problems with alcohol. Now they talk frankly about how their footballing careers panned out. And Gaza reflects on whether he regrets leaving Newcastle when he did. 
Well, I would have probably, I would have probably stayed in touch a bit longer. But when you know, when you, when you play with like, I mean, I played with Chris Wall and Peter Beasley, and you enjoyed playing with them. And if you haven't got like Chris Wall on the wing to pass it, well, give it to the guys like Peter Beasley, two great players. Would you have? Um, would you have gone? To Man United now, if you went back in time to that picture, would you would you have gone to Man United? Things a real funny thing to say about that. People always say that, right? And so it's like, well, hold on. It's like, what can I say? Rio Ferdinand running away from a drugs test. Eric Cantona took a two foot of the guy in the thingy. We all will know what Wayne Rooney did and what Ryan Giggs did, so I might have fitted in there probably. <laughs> but yeah, I always sometimes look at that. Uh, you know, with Man United talking, I think it was. You know, I always went for the um, venues. Probably been there yourself. You know, the, the man he played with, is the guys that, that he, he adored. You know, and a lot of it. I think was the way te Terry Bennett had sport to and that. And he just said it was like my dream was to play for England. Obviously, you with the wheels and that. He just said it'd be the same for us. I, I guarantee you, within ten games, we'd be playing for England. You know, and that's all I really want to do. Then I look back. It was like cause that, at that time. At that time, man, night, I think we thought, well, teams is not right. We finished a bit higher than them last season, and the next season, when he thought, right, and bringing all the kids, gigs, he scores, them, they start winning everything, you know. So you look back and you go, wow, I wonder what would have happened if I had went there, you know. And and to be honest, he he had he, he had more of a, a discipline thing with them boys, didn't no, he? Right, he got them under the, and you know. For a fact, you would have took some controlling, but he, it might have worked. It might have worked out. Mm. It oh, might, yeah, you might definitely. have arranged your cards different. Oh yeah, definitely. He might have done. Well, I think he might have because, you know, I knew him when I was at Tottenham and that with Venables and and, you know, even Terry. I know you loved him and everything else. He's as an outsider still kissed his <laughs> because he wanted. You know, he had Paul Gascoigne playing for him. You know, mm. and there was a lot of yes men. Along the line, there's so many. When you're as good as him and such a big star, you know. Every, yes, before. Uh, yes, sorry. Yes, Gaza. <laughs> you know, maybe at Man U it might not have been that way. I mean, my my discipline come from respect. Howard Wilkinson, Don Al, you know, Dave Bassett. You know, and then and then Joe Kinnear was different. He, we were like best mates. Me and Joe Kinnear. Mm. Although I was the captain, he was the manager. We had a we had a best mate thing going on there but Howard Wilkinson people like I think someone like Wilkinson I I, I I probably my advice looking into it now would I think it would have been better for him to have gone not particularly the club although it was Man United in days a different manager mm. Terry you know Terry loved him as a son and everything yeah. else but you know Terry loved the gold bracelets and all that and then mm. and, you know Blonde on one arm, Gaz on the other arm. That was what Terry was about. Now, maybe <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't need that at that time. So would Gaza have benefited from a more disciplined manager like Sir Alex Ferguson? Did others turn a blind eye to his antics? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could get away with a few things, put it that way. Um, yeah, I always remember once I went and um, had a good session on a Sunday. I'm going training on Monday. I can hardly walk, I'm thinking, I'm in trouble, yeah, I can't train. So I'm on the ball going over the fence. And it was 11 o'clock on train, and I went, I get it. I drove over the fence, went home with the ball. <laughs> I come back the next year, the same time, go back with the fence, I went, I found a gaffer. <laughs> <laughs> he went off of it, he said, just hope you tell us who would sleep it off. <laughs> yeah, it was classic, that one. Yeah. But, yeah. But, no, regards, just to be clear, there's odd bits I could, I would like to have changed or could have changed. Um, I just didn't know how to. 
more than anything else. I was just enjoying life, I suppose, you know, maybe too much. As history testifies, Paul Gascoigne didn't head to Old Trafford, but instead signed for Spurs. The move took him a long way from home, but he was soon cheered up by a friendly face, albeit one who had initially introduced himself by grabbing him by the balls. A moment forever captured by the lens of photographer Monty Fresco. When I left Newcastle, I went to um, St. Tottenham and stayed in the Swallow Hotel in Aston. And I'm like, almost been a week and I felt sad and lonely. I mean, God, I hope I done the right thing. I've left all my family. And the first person that come up through the door, been, he come to the hotel and he says, look, I'm here for you any time you want. You know, he says, um, if you need to go anywhere, do it with fish and, and stuff. I mean, yeah, and I was like, imagine that. I'm thinking, oh, what have I done wrong now? And he comes in and uh, I had a chat with him at Swallow Hotel, you know, for where he lives, to drive all the way there just to see us and that. It was the first one I ever did that. No, I, I had that at Leeds, you see, I'd experienced it. <coughs> and I'd, I'd gone up to the same, exactly the same thing, signed from, you know, your comfort zone, from your fascists and your wises and your gang. And I sat in the Orton Hotel in, in Leeds and um, just signed from everything's top of the world and everything else, but your family's 250 mile down the road, your mates and everything else. I remember sitting on the edge of the bed and I'm like, was one of the most loneliest times of my life. Mm. And I had everything and nothing. And I sat at the ends of the bed and I phoned Fash. And I said, uh, <laughs> I want to come back. I said, I don't know what I've done. What have I done? And he went, we're coming up at the weekend. So him and Wisey came up and they come up the weekend and all that and sort of settled in slowly. I mean, honestly, the first week I was at Tottenham, I'm in a hotel room. I've just had to load my family, imagine that, and I, I felt really lonely. None of my players had come to the, to the, to the, the hotel. And for Binion to drive where he, he come from, well, I felt all the way to find out where I, what hotel I was in, and come in and give us a hug and say, look, you're in London now. That still happens and, now, you know. But like, if I go on a TV show as a guest star, they're all, in, you know, they're all on the show and all that, so you come in as a guest star and you'll do a week or, say, two weeks... They're all they're all wrapped up in the show and everything else. And it's very lonely. Sounds really glamorous and all the rest of it, but you're basically in a you're in a fireside hotel, but you're in a fireside hotel room, and you go on the set, and it's sort of you, you go in sort of, and it's hard, you know. It's it can be lonely. But before the days of playing for Tottenham and Wimbledon respectively, both Gazza and Vinny had to make it through the youth ranks to make their dreams of becoming a professional footballer come true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and to be fair, I mean, it, it, every minute of my life and his life probably mm. was was kicking a football. You oh, know, yeah. and if you weren't, you was in a classroom looking out onto the school playground, mm. figuring out what you was going to do at lunchtime with the football, you know. Yeah, exactly. That was it. Mm. Um, I mean, like you said, you know, he wants, his dream was to become a footballer and only did he end up being a footballer from being a hard carrier. I mean, I went from school Straight, straight away than that, I didn't have um, to, he obviously worked to where he wanted to be, obviously, and uh, you know, he went on to achieve greater things. So when you see someone do that, um, I think that made me because I worked though, made me fight for it harder. I think if I'd have if I'd have stayed at Watford through schoolboy and then gone apprentice, maybe I'd you know, it'd have come too easy. Where I do think sometimes I'd love to have had that life, you know, go straight mm. from school. And um, that's it. But I, I think with me, if I didn't work on the building site and all that, 
I wouldn't have fought as hard, I don't think. I'd have been... Listen, I've got thousands of friends around Watford that tell me they were better than me. I was a better player than you, though, weren't I, Jones? <laughs> yeah, you do get that, yeah. Never read this, though. Never read no, this. Around. They don't see the three buses and the train to get to training on a Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday night. They don't, you know, they don't see the the last train down to, you know, Watford Junction or jump on the milk train to get home. And that's mm. why they didn't make it. That's why they didn't make it. It wouldn't... Uh... You wouldn't say any more. Any, anybody out there know, like, well, he's just all you about. Imagine if I went outside now and seen Hodgeyer. Hodgeyer said, listen, mate, in a couple of years' time, you're going to pick up the FA Cup final at Wembley. He'd tell you where to go. You know what I mean? And that's like what he said. Like, they're my dreams. Them, like, them dreams have come true, you know? But you have to make them dreams happen. And he did. Vinny's footballing dreams came true, and Gaza became an English football legend. But since hanging up their boots... Their careers and lives have veered in different directions. Vinny is now a Hollywood actor and producer, but his new career has taken away a lifelong dream. It was incredibly lucky what happened with, with the filming. But it, it, it took my biggest dream away, which was to be a manager. You know, when I went to QPR as player manager, Ray was going to, uh, Ray Hartford was teaching me the ropes for a year and then I was going to take over. That was my deal, and that's really, to be fair, up to now, the only thing I haven't achieved that I've set out to do, to be honest. And mm. I do, you know, I do miss it. When I see Leeds doing well, and I think, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to have been manager of Leeds. Yeah. Or, or something, you know, something like that. And I was at Watford on Saturday, and, you, you know, you get the buzz, um, you know, and obviously we're all, we're all experts sitting in the crowd, aren't we? So... But yeah, I mean, I've you know I've done the album, I've done the movies, I've done you know I've now just produced my own movie, you know probably have you yeah just oh, produced wow. big one in Kentucky and then probably next year I will direct my first movie, um, you know and I got a few, you know I got a TV project that I got going, you know it's a TV series that's going so, you know I do fight to keep going up the ladder, you know. Mm. Where some, you know, you, you come back, you slide a few paces, you get back up, you slide a few, you get back. But that little article that that a-hole wrote about... <laughs> Brilliant. Are you it does, that it, sometimes it gives me a little smile, you know. <coughs> yeah. When I'm going from Kentucky to LA in a private jet, I have a little smile sometimes. Yeah, it's a really, that's brilliant. Yeah, I'm the same. Like that. You do, I think you do, mm. but you have to get on with... with with what you're doing, you know, I'm I'm lucky. I've got a career now, and you know, and I I think sometimes when I you know when I look in, I think you need more to keep you occupied. Oh, definitely. Eh? You know, and I and I, for me, I I think you'd be fantastic. You know, like on, you know, on the TV as a pundit or you know, or match of the day or mm. you know, to get something nice and steady to go into. Which and the media is very hard. I mean, I'm commentating thing. I did get offered a, a job with Sky, and the money was good. But you ever, ever tried putting dishes up in the winter? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you a ladder, shall I? Shall I buy you a ladder? Yes, ladder, please. A non-slip ladder. <laughs> You're listening to Reunited on Talksport with Vinnie Jones and Paul Gascoigne. Still to come. Yeah, I am protective. And very sad when he has a relapse or a, something happens or he lets himself down. It's such a shame that he took down the old Wembley. 
and every, every step you're seeing another 10,000 and then we actually just get on that running track thing and then you hear the roar there's a there's a oof, there's no better feeling This is Reunited on TalkSport with Vinnie Jones and Paul Gascoigne two legendary players who will forever be remembered as the subjects of one of the most famous sporting photos of all time in this episode, we've reunited them to hear their candid conversations about their footballing lives. Vinnie and Paul both had long careers in football, and in this final part, they reveal more about their influences, their favourite footballing moments, and what they really think of the modern game. Gazza played for a host of clubs, including Newcastle, Spurs, Lazio, Rangers, Middlesbrough and Everton. Plus, he earned over 50 caps playing for England. But who inspired him to be the player he was? Jan Cruyff, obviously, I learned that term. Um, I win the Dutch in the World Cup or something. Um, he was one. Um, but, you know, when you watch the old match of the day from years and years ago, I used to watch it with my dad. I think it was in 15 or well, 16 or something like that. And I always used to watch um, <coughs> Brian Robson play when he played for um, West Brom Albion with his mullet, his hair and that. And I always remember, he, he, he won a tackle or something like that, and he's run off near the box, and then the ball went way or whatever. I know what I'm saying, I'm just running, kept on going forward, and he scored a bullet of header. And um, just the way he was, you know. Played with some great players, obviously. I played against Maradona and stuff like that, but that was just friendlies. Um, but for, him, for my position, anyway, a midfield player, he was phenomenal. Ask anybody. He was just unbelievable. Um, yeah, great player. Not only, you know, when looking now and say Captain Marvel, he used to take him by the scruff of the neck, you know. Um, I wouldn't say it. was like, I always say, all right, I, I know, I'm, I can't say, well, brilliant player, but it's a good player. But if I had like, I'm not going to say, if I had a little bit of a Brian Robson, a little bit of Chris Wall, a little bit of Peter Beasy, and that, I think, would have been an unbelievable player. While Paul received his footballing education at Newcastle, Vinny was under the influence of the famous crazy gang at Wimbledon. But was it really as bad as the newspaper headlines made out? The spirit, that spirit was there coming up through the leagues. I mean, we, it was, honest, honestly and on my heart, it was, it was coming up through the leagues were the real crazy gang, you know? That's the stuff. We've all written books. None of it's in there. None of the real stuff's in there. You know, Besson's book, Wise's book, my book, Ari's book, Bassett's book. None of the... You cannot print the real stuff that's in there, all the loony things we did. But what happened was the minute, you know, you get into the first division, which is Premier League now, you people want to know about it. And the TV want to know. And the papers want to know. It became mega. And Dave Bassett got it. They'd been in, they'd, they'd got promotion. I came in the November, but they got promotion. And Dave Bassett, you know, used to do a few after dinners. And he was in the bell in Gerrard's uh, Cross somewhere. And he was doing an after dinner. And he unzips his flies and, you know, and does the, amp, the hot dog one with his, with his old chap and all that. Well, the next day, the papers went absolutely. He's been doing it for four or five years, the same gag. Now he's in the first of it. And Sam, a man, went, because Harry, I spoke to Harry, you know, and, and uh, Sam, a man, went round there and he went, this can't happen anymore. 
but was there one person Vinnie played with who really epitomised the crazy gang spirit? Now, Wally, you know, Wally Downs is the pinnacle of Wimbledon. You know, he was the first ever apprentice. He's the craziest bugger that's, you know, ever come out of football. And, you know, Wally was a great leader. Wally knew all the tricks and all the, you know, all the stuff about... I saw a lad at Watford on Saturday and, and I'd done all the Blackburn shirts. I'd gone to the ground early with the kit man to put the kit out. I'd gone in their kit room, got their whole kit and slung it all in the bath. Freezing cold bath and it's freezing cold day, raining... They've all turned up to their dressing room, all their all their kits in the freezing cold bath. Then it all go nuts and, you know, but... But, I mean, that that was the difference. And it's fair to say Wimbledon's unique tactics and playing style did leave some intimidated. Gordon Stratton joined Leeds when, just before me. I went to Leeds and he played for the man, mighty Man United, you know, and you just think these players are on diff, different planets than us. Gordon Stratton then said to me at Leeds, he went... Oh, he said, look through the look through the books. He said, I, ne- I, I never played Wimbledon away. He said, oh, I was getting hamstring at Old Trafford five minutes before the end, he said, and limp off. He said, none of us wanted to play Wimbledon away. It was all there. It was implanted over the years, you know. However, looking back through the midst of time, Vinny admits that the crazy gang was perhaps not as united as everyone thought, especially when it came to the relationship he had with manager Bobby Gould. Bobby Gould was the stepdad that you didn't like. And a couple of times, I mean, I had a I had a punch-up with Gouldie at Luton and smashed him up against the wall and it was all off, everything else, because he came in and dropped me. Uh, me and Fass was all the baths and we used to get in a really hot bath, soak before we went out because of the joints and all that, get nice and hot bath and then go out and train. So the lads had gone out and we were soaking in really hot bath, the hot baths going... Came in over over Fash, never said no to Fash, straight at me. Don't think you're playing Saturday. So I've jumped out of the bathroom, I've grabbed hold of him, smashed him out again, it's all off. Donnell comes in, I'm in the car, I've gone home, that's the end of it. That night, Sam and Ma'am on my front door. Come on, John Z, boy. Blah, 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 I'm playing. Bobby Gould subbed me after 20 minutes. You're listening to Reunited on TalkSport with Paul Gascoigne and Vinnie Jones. As we've been hearing, football in the 80s and 90s was a very different beast to the game we watch today. Some observers would say that the game has changed for the better. Fitter players, less physical action, better playing surfaces and improved stadia. But for Paul Gascoigne, the modern game definitely has its flaws. But yeah, I just think something. The, the, the game's changing, which is a shame, you know. This, um, I mean, why I didn't watch the World Cup is one reason. I just couldn't. I, I, it's like you've got a referee, you've got two linesmen, you've got a fourth official, and you have to go ring somebody up near Heathrow Airport to look at the computer and tell you if it's a goal or not. You know, now it'll be like. It won't be long. I honestly think it won't be long before football is like American football, where they stop it every two minutes. Um, so I'm glad I'm not playing nowadays. Yeah. And modern-day academies are also a target for the former England legend. I mean, I've been to academies, and I've looked at academies, and you get the parents actually shouting at the kids how to play football, um, which is a shame because they let me to get on with it, you know. Once I was watching Cameron at Newcastle Academy... 
and uh, I was sitting next to my sister, standing next to my sister, and I was like, Cameron, show for the ball, get square on, give me a couple up from the side legs. And then Jimmy says to me, Paul, shut the app up. You actually know nothing about football. So I felt like for all these parents. So I felt like embarrassed about to him. Yeah. But yeah, I just let the kids go and enjoy it, you know. I was in Sainsbury's and I was walking up this island and guys started talking about it. And I said, Yeah, what do you want, mate? He shouldn't be following. I said, My son, um, how much should I train him? He said, I said, well, what's it like? He's both footed, he's good with his left, he's good with his right. And I'm just trying to think what t- team he should sign for. Um, his dribbling's unbelievable. And he kept on going on. So he follows up the next aisle, telling us how good his son is and um, how can he improve or not. Eventually, he had enough. And I was for a minute, I'm hoping funny, but how old's his son? He went two. I went, yeah, he's, he's got potential, mate. <laughs> uh, so you get parents like that, um, which I don't mind, you know. Um, I was, I mean, Dad was one of them, and just like, you know, if you try and force somebody into doing it, they wouldn't do it, you know. You just let them get on with it, and that's what I did, you know. That's what he let us do. Paul Gascoigne might not be a fan of modern football, but Vinnie Jones is keen to point out that his Wimbledon side pioneered many modern football techniques that have become part and parcel of the game in the 21st century. Dave Bassett had a guy called Vince Craven who videoed every single game and analysed it. All the analysing you've got done now, we were doing this, Wimbledon were doing this in 1986. And we would go in on a Monday morning. We didn't train Monday morning, we trained Monday afternoon. We would watch the video. And Vince Craven, over the weekend, had analysed it and edited it, Right? So he'd say, look, this is how many times the ball was in their half. And this is how, say this week, we'd say, right, we won 2-0. This week, the ball was in their half 100 times. We got in 90 crosses. The ratio of that is two goals. Last week, we lost 2-0. We only got 50 balls in there and we only got 30 crosses in. So therefore we didn't, we had two attempts on target. We didn't get one. So it was all broken down there. We were, we were well advanced of what was going on in football. Well advanced. And people don't realise that. So our strengths were, right, we know if we get the ball to Wisey 100 times, if he crosses it 80 times... We're going to get two goals. It's fact. And they even made a movie about it in America. The Oakland A's, Moneyball. That was all we were doing. So they'd get a guy, how many long throws in the opposition half, if you could get somebody who could launch it far enough to get it in their six-yard box, how many goals would you get from that? Right, 20 a season. It's fact. There's nothing dodgy about it or whatever. So that, I, I started launching the ball in the box. There's 20 goals there. Why is he crosses it X amount of times? Colton Fairweather, Glenn Hodges crosses it X amount of times. We knew roughly how many goals we could score. You know, get the quickest back four in the league. People ain't going to run past you. You know, it was all, we were ahead of the game. And that was, you know, Bassett was was big into the videos. 
But while football has changed, Paul Gascoigne does admit he still misses the game he loved so much in his youth. Oh yeah, definitely. I still miss it now badly, you know. But that um, had a little kick about on sa Saturday with the young kid um, on Saturday afternoon. And I went in the dressing room, gave my team talk. They didn't know what's coming like. I just walked in, gave my team talk. It was in the FA Cup balls, the one two one anyway. And then the kids I would say the kids I was playing with them and not I don't know they knew who I was. But Gaza still has the memories, including one special goal at Wembley versus Scotland during Euro '96. The fair one, and I, and I beat around a bit of Scotland one in the, um, the FA Cup final. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. The one I scored for Lazio, I can't remember, was against I beat with six players and six touches. I went boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I really liked that goal. That was special. Um, but regards to playing at home, when you play at Wembley, I mean, the semi-final was Arsenal. That was OK, though, because it was only Arsenal, and you were, you know, it was Dave Seaman in goal, and I'm already scored loads of times in training anyway. So I, after that, I feel sorry for Dave in a way. Because he, he he tried to save it, you know, and he's really embarrassed himself. He should just like go well, anyway. I wait mean, when I say that. But the, the the it's such a shame that he took down the old Wembley. It really is. Obviously, we won the World Cup nineteen sixty six or twenty eight. We won it there, but you know that to, to walk up that tunnel, and it's like you know what's coming. You know, you, you walk up the tunnel and you get near the top, and you can see like about five thousand, and a bit further you'd see ten thousand. And it's fifteen, and it's twenty thousand, and every every step you see another ten thousand, and then we actually just get on that little run track thing, and then yeah, the row. There's a, there's, a, oof, there's no better feel. And of course, after scoring against the Scots, there was that famous goal celebration. Yeah, I enjoyed that because obviously I had the dentist chair problem. Um, the thing is, well, that's a press with me, you know. This eighty we did the dentist chair. And I'm the one I got pulled out here, hammered for it. Um, but that was, was still like 10 days before they get, um, it was my birthday anyway, so it was still like 10 days before the tournament even started, you know, or, t or t 2 12 years, you know, and people like maybe went back to the family, you know, and I went to the health farm and just stayed there, kept it the way you're not, and just uh, got myself prepared for the tournament. Yeah, brilliant. Never get them back. Never. You know, um, yeah. You know, that song, Football's Coming Home, and that's unbelievable. Thirty years ago, Vinnie Jones and Paul Gascoigne played out a boring nil-nil draw on a cold February day at a windswept plough lane. The game, as the scoreline suggested, was uneventful, with the exception of one incident caught on camera and immortalised in footballing history. Vinnie's grab of Gaza would become one of the most famous sporting photos of all time, 
but it would also inspire a lifelong friendship between Paul and Vinnie. Very, very protective, yeah. Um, and the thing is, I don't have to ask, people tell me. It's like a little brother. Even in America, like now, people will come in the golf club and they say, oh, see your mate. So, and I go, no. So I go, oh, God. Or I'll have a feeling. You know, I wake up sometimes, I'll have a feeling and all that, and I'll Google, and, and nine times out of ten, something's happened. Um, but, yeah, I am protective. Um, and very sad when he has a relapse or, a, or something, you know? or something happens, or he lets himself down. But what and what's happened, our lives are like an egg timer, really, because everything he had is reversed, really. You know, I was on the bottom. He was on the top, and it's just, that's in 30 years, a 30-year egg timer, really. Their fortunes might have reversed over the years, but that didn't stop Vinny trying to help out his little brother, even if some of his more creative ideas didn't come to pass, that everyone would watch. I got hold of your reps about five or six years ago, and I said, why don't me and him take a camcorder, mm. drop us off in, because yeah, like, in, 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 in Alaska or somewhere like that, or anywhere in Norway and Sweden they do it. They've got like these small islands where you can fish and all that. All you lot are out of it. No one's there. Me and him, drop us off with a camcorder and see what you get. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, and, they, and it never happened. It, ne it never happened. Gonna, um, that would have been the biggest show on TV. And the thing right, was yeah. as well, we weren't going to get flown in anywhere. We are going to get a helicopter and ride by plane, whatever. Yeah. Then helicopter in, so we didn't have a clue where we were. And just getting dropped. And I, I was get in there, do the fishing and set the camera up like that and just go, boom, right. Mm -hmm. I you know, this, that, And yeah. do what we're doing now, really, because, you know, the whole nation would watch it. I think anything me and him would do, the mm. whole nation would watch anyway, which is fabulous. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I always remember that, yeah, and I thought I'd look forward to that. I said, I heard Bayer Bills. Yeah, we'll go without the, the cameras. Yeah, we'll go with the cameras, eh? We'll go without the cameras. And if you don't see me after that, then you know what's happening to me, don't you? I'll tell you what I can do, give him a massive hug. Yes! Good boy. Oh, good to see you, man. You've been listening to Reunited with Vinnie Jones and Paul Gascoigne, a tongue-tied media production for TalkSport. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.